beginning a series called Fulfilling God's Dream for You. And today we're going to talk about breaking a life of pride. Now you will understand this as I begin to express to you what we are talking about. We will learn how to get from a dream to its fulfillment or the fulfillment of the dream. You, every one of you, have a dream that God has for your life. Because the word teaches us that God called us before the foundation of the world. Before this world was created, God called you. And he placed, here it is, a destiny for your life to accomplish while you're here on this earth. And this series is going to help us understand the things that we will have to learn and grow into in order to accomplish our dream. We will discuss how do you find out what that dream is? Or how do you walk in faith and obedience without knowing God's fullness of the destiny he has for you? Also, are there any roadblocks that can hinder you getting there in your life. You know, the enemy is out there and he's going to put roadblocks in your way, trying to stop you from reaching your, your destiny. The question is, do you believe you are living in God's plan for you? Or, like many Christians they are bouncing from one plan to another because the first plan didn't work. We're going to find out there's nothing wrong with God's dream for you. The struggle we're going to find is that many Christians just live out an existence because they give up on something in their life, a dream in their life. Why? because there's areas of their character that needs to change in order to accomplish their dream. You're going to find out today what that means. This dream includes many things, your family, your finances, but most important, the dream that God gives you is about your spiritual life. You have a God potential. My question to you is God's potential manifesting in what you're doing today? If not, what do we need to learn? What needs to change in our character? My question to you, will you fulfill that dream? And I want you to know that the dream that God gave you will last for eternity. When you are gone, and these young people that we're discipling and mentoring are, have become adults and now are running the world, will your legacy help them accomplish their dream? We will find all the answers from the life of Joseph. Joseph had a dream when he was 17 and stepped into it when he was 30 years old. 
In those 13 years, he failed in areas, and by his mistakes, he learned to succeed. And by that, there were many tests that he faced in his life. But I want to give you just a little secret here. Tests in your life never stop. They are lifelong. In Joseph's life, there were specific tests that he faced. In this series, what we will do is we will find out what they were and how he faced them. And again, the first test that Joseph faced at 17 years old after he received a dream from God was the pride test. In Genesis 37, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Notice Joseph's character. Joseph brought a bad report of his brothers to his father. This doesn't seem to fit in this verse. Now, look at uh, verse 3 and 4. Now, verse 3 starts with, now Israel. Israel was the name that God gave Jacob. Remember, he changed Jacob's name to Israel. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. His brothers hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Okay, we need to understand right now verse, that at 17 years old, all his older brothers hated him. Verse 5, now Joseph had a dream as he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. We're talking about the pride test. And they hated him even more because Joseph was telling them about what God said to him. That was lack of wisdom, but keep that in mind because we're going to see it later on. Verse 6, so he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Sounds like a young man, huh? I'm king, I'm going to be king. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Notice that. They hated him for his dreams, which was his destiny, and his words, write this down, his words was his heart. When he received the dream from God, this is what his heart did. His heart spoke words of pride. As usual, 
he shared with his brothers, and it was pride. Verse 9, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind because he knew what God did because God gave Jacob a dream and his name was changed to Israel. Verse 46, Genesis 41, verse 6, one more scripture. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh the king. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. He became second in command of the world. Now we understand later on in this series, we're going to see that his brothers do bow before him. But we have to find wisdom in the dream and what God has placed us, what God has given us in this dream. Joseph was 17 when he got the dream and 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. So here is the series. What happened in the 13 years? What happened in those 13 years? What testing did Joseph face? Well, again, he faced 10 tests. We also will include in this series, after being before Pharaoh, the seven years after fulfilling God's dream for his life. So from 17 to 37, this is a generation. God is speaking today to you and me. There is a new generation rising up, and there are going to be tests that they're going to face. Your children and your children's children are going to face tests. And my question to you, if you don't know what these tests are, how are you going to disciple them and mentor them to be able to face the challenges of life? So it's applicable to you and me. So let me make now a statement. The church has been over-mothered and under-fathered for many years. I'm going to explain that statement. Over-mothered and under-fathered many years, decades. So don't get offended with me, okay? So on Sunday night, um, I'm going to let down my hair, whatever I have, and, and we're just going to talk. We're going to just really see the things of the Lord and what he is saying. So the church has mothers and fathers, spiritual moms, spiritual dads. The mother is the one that says, hey, it's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. You run to mom when you get hurt when you were a child. And when you have a need, you run to mom. The father is the one, most of the time, that says, get over it. He says, it's okay, patting their child on the back. Stop crying and let's move on. The father says, get up, get out of the house, get a job. Bottom line, the father is the one 
that calls their children to destiny. God has placed that in Scripture, we will learn. That calls their children to destiny. Doesn't give them the destiny. God does that. But the Father is the one, the spiritual fathers. And men in here, you are spiritual fathers. You are pro proclaimed as spiritual fathers. You are to pay attention to the young people. You are to look. And I know what the world has done because there are perverts out there in this world. But the world has dismantled the authority in the place of the man in this world and the church. That's why the youth is called identity. Great shirts, huh? And so what we have to do is understand in this series, we are going to learn. Now, don't get me wrong, moms, spiritual moms. You are vital to the agreement of what God set apart. You are to honor the men. Men, you're to honor the women. We are to be men and women that are walking as family, loving one another, and creating an atmosphere that everyone can succeed. But there needs to be the word and what God is doing to set apart the things of God. And when the mission is there, the destiny is there, the dream is there, that there are people that are saying, don't stop, don't give up, get up. I know you're hurt. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But get up, rise up, and do what God has called you to do. And men, that's a responsibility. In the church, the problem is we have taken care of people. <laughs> what? But we have not said, get up, get over it. You have a destiny in God. So get on with your life. What we have done in the 80s and 90s and part of the early 2000s, we taught everyone is messed up and you need help. Bottom line, you have psychological problems. I remember a time frame in churches that as a supervisor, I'd go to church, people would introduce themselves, and then they'd tell me their problem, what they're messed up in. And I'd always say, but the Lord's delivered you from that. Oh, well, I'm just, I just struggle. Because we have had no dads, spiritual dads saying, get up. All have sinned, but Jesus won the victory, didn't he? Amen. So fathers need to say, yep, you had a bad childhood, but get up, get over it. God's destiny is at hand. And that's what happened with Joseph. And in the generation that Joseph went through his test and fulfilled his dream and destiny, what happened is he began to rise up and do the things that God called him to. You've been adopted into a new family. You have a good father now, Father God, who loves you and has a destiny for your life. And he doesn't look at your struggles and your mistakes because he called you and gave you gifts to accomplish it before the foundation of the world, before you existed, but you existed in his heart. God has a plan for your life, but Satan has a game plan to stop it. So all of us have a dream in our heart. So the question is, are you moving towards it or allowing the plans of the enemy to destroy it?
Are you reaching the spiritual potential in your lives? Are you stepping out? If Pastor Terry or Dan asks you to do something, are you saying, well, that's not my ministry, that's not my call? Are you stepping out in faith? Are you, are you doing things, allowing to do things and set pride aside and move in and be a blessing to your brother and sister? Or are you angry because others are attaining and you are not? Why is that? Others are getting that position you wanted. Why is that? Are you 50 years old and have never stepped into your destiny? The question is why? You've been through the same test that Joseph has been. He's been through it, and you've been through it too. So here's the answer. It's because there are some tests we have to pass, not just go through them. Well, one day this will be over, and then I'll move on. No, no, I want to tell you uh, a spiritual secret here or a truth. You will not step into your destiny if you cannot pass 10 tests Joseph was given. You will not step into it in the fullness. You might get areas that you will, but I'll tell you what, you cannot get to that place of your destiny until you pass the test that God gives. If you can't handle the dream, you can't handle the destiny. Because the dream that God's given you there's prerequisites. There's things that we need to become in our character and the way we believe. Sometimes we get so prideful and arrogant over the dream. God will never put into you the destiny until you can handle the fame that brings success. Remember, I always say this. Your greatest battle is not when you're facing poverty or difficulty. Your greatest battle is when you're succeeding. So the first thing I want to nail down is this. God has a dream for you and for your life. Every one of you, God has a dream for you. The dream has purpose and it has a plan. It's not something that God's hiding from you. We're living in the time frame from this morning that we're learning, we're living in the time frame that the mystery's been revealed. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you, to guide you, to hold your hand in that time frame where maybe you're, you're balking a little bit because of a character issue or something that, that you think or maybe wrong doctrine. So God has to take us through a process, watch this, that chips off that sin nature, the old way of thinking so we can fulfill the destiny God has for us. So follow me. You must understand this about the dream. You have a dream. It's in you. It's been in you since you were born, since you were created. God knew you in your mother's womb. God's dream is better than your dream. Why do I say that? Because some people get a dream. It's not working because of character issues or situations, or it's just not God's timing yet. And what happens is we have a better dream. We'll find out another family that did the same thing. God's destiny is bigger than your destiny. You can believe for great things, but God's dream and destiny for you is bigger. And I just want to challenge you as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother, 
I want to challenge you and say to you that there are things, whatever you've accomplished in your life, and you're awesome. I love who you are. But I want to challenge you that there's bigger things for you. And it's because God gave it, not because you're good at it. Because God gave you that gifting. Most of us are going after our own dream and not God's. So the question is this. How can you know God's dream if you don't know it today? In this series, we will learn how. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, it says this. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings or mysteries. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He's talking to Miriam when they were saying things like, uh, hey, God speaks to Moses. He's going to speak to me. I don't have to listen to Moses. And God was challenging them and testing them of their character. See, to know God's dream is to get to know the giver of the dream, the one who drew the plan out for your life. In other words, do not pursue the dream first, but pursue God. Pursue God. But, but I know I'm supposed to pursue God. But I'm going to tell everybody what God said to me. Pursue God. Get to know him like Moses, face to face. See, I want God to speak to me face to face, not just in a dream. How about you? We live in the new covenant. Moses knew God so well because he pushed into God. In Psalm 103, verse 7, think about what this says. I've said it many times. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Children, the children of Israel knew his acts, but no, no, Moses knew his ways. Israel knew the miracles, the outward signs, how many of you want miracles and outward signs in your life? I do. Amen. But Moses knew God's heart. Moses knew God's thoughts, his character, and his personality. He knew him. Now, I don't want to know how my wife drives the car. She's sitting over there in the corner. I don't want to know how my wife drives the car, by the way, fast, or how she searches the internet or does things. I want to know Terry as a person. What I have fallen in love with is the person, not what she can do. Can you imagine knowing the creator of the universe face to face, having conversations with him? So if you want to know the dream, know God face to face. Well, I want some prophet to tell me. Let me just give you another secret. A prophet's not going to tell you if you don't want to know God. People go to conventions, all kinds of stuff, which, you know what, I do too, and I love it. But I don't go to there to, to know God through them. I go there to grow and to mature. But I know God because I spend time with him. 
We're talking about pride. God will reveal the dream and fulfill the dream. So listen very carefully. I've learned through the years that some dreams that I had were not God's dreams, they were mine. They were good dreams, and they would accomplish good things, but they weren't God's dreams. Some desires we have for our life are not from God. They're not God's desires. You know, as a child, I'm going to be a fireman, I'm going to be a police officer, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Many dreams, but not from God. What your goal is, is push into God and find out his dream for you by finding out his character. The second thing we need to learn in the first test of pride that God gives every one of us, don't brag about your dream. This is where Joseph made a huge mistake. Bottom line, hear what I'm about to say. Joseph failed the first test. In Genesis 37, verse 5 and verse through 8. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And this is called pride. Let me uh, tell you the definition of failing God's test of pride. You actually don't fail. In the kingdom of God, you don't fail because you sit with Christ. But you take the test over and over and over until you pass it. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something you didn't do it? And for a few days, you felt better? Thank you, Lord, I didn't have to do it. Week later, month later, six months later, what happens? You face the same thing, don't you? Because why? It's not that you failed. It's that there's something that God had to chop off, and it was pride. God never puts an F on our papers either. He puts the words re do. So if we don't listen to the Father and we do things, especially in the pride area, we will have to redo it. We serve a God of the second chance. So don't brag about it. Don't boast about your gifts, your strengths, or call, or who you know. A lot of people, because of what I do, ask me of things, and I share it with them. But I, I, many instances when I talk about it, I will talk about it because I know it helps them understand the skill set or the gifting that I am as their pastor and the personality. I, I'm not trying to brag on it because let me tell you, I still haven't fulfilled the fullness of my destiny. I've seen God do a lot of wonderful things because he's God. But there's still things that I need to learn. I'm 63 and I'm still learning. Just get to know God. 
Some people just talk too much about themselves. The question is, why do we brag? We brag, it's not because of our mouth, it's because of our heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. So what God is doing to breach your destiny, and when he gives you a dream, right away, he tries to cut off that area of our heart that wants to tell everybody what God said, what God's going to do. And you know what? He will do it. Joseph will stand before his brothers at the end, the end of the story. They will bow down before him. But at the end, you'll read the story, you've read it before, he weeps and doesn't want them to do that. But he knew that that's what God gave him, and he knew that God was working with his family too. Let me just give you another secret. See, Joseph's call wasn't to be second in command. But that's what it took for him to get there, and God got him there. One night he was in prison, the next day he was second in command. That's what God can do instantly. But what God wanted to do was to use Joseph to save the world from starvation. And when we read the story of Joseph, we're always reading the story of Joseph and thinking, wow. He had dreams. Look what he did. He's a leader. He would go around with a ring on his finger and all the same. Wow, what an awesome thing. Look at the clothes he wore. Look at all the things. Look at the home he had. Look at the money he had. Look what he could do. Wow, great, successful. And the whole reason Joseph was placed in the place he was was to save the world from starvation. But he couldn't get there until he passed all the tests. And the first one, God had to push the button redo many times. God gave Joseph the dream when he was 17 so he could deal with his heart to get him ready to fulfill the dream. Remember, he was 17, then 30, 13 years. It took God 13 years. You all got to hear this. It took God 13 years to have off the character issues in his life to get him to the place where he wouldn't blow the position and the call that God gave him. How many people give up after three? This is hard. I'm not going to do this. Love your neighbor. Well, my neighbors are jerks. No, not my neighbors, but that's what you're saying. My neighbors are awesome. But the reality is, my neighbors are jerks. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be by them. Really? Well, maybe that's a little pride in you. That's a little pride in me. That God has a plan to use you to save them from spiritual starvation and becoming born again. But they're weird. They're drug addicts. Well, God is a God of second chance, isn't he? 
So you get a dream, and we need to deal with your heart first. I've worked with people that I know that they went year after year after year, and God was still dealing with them with their first test. You know, God knows what he's doing. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make next week. Many of you have big dreams, and God gave them to you. But he wants to see how you respond to those big dreams. He wants to see how you relate to those around you. He wants to work in your heart to get you to your destiny. Marriage counseling is simple. Deal with the heart. And if you're, you have off that, that stuff in your heart, you can love your spouse. Here's the third thing. Insecurity is the root of pride. Insecurity is the root of pride. See, that's where we got all this, this uh, psychology and everything in church and in seminaries and all the different things. Let me tell you, the scripture has the answers to everything. What I've learned with Joseph is I don't have a mouth problem. I have a heart problem. That's what I learned. Pride could be the problem or the pride test. How do I deal with pride? We have all dealt with pride, but why does pride keep coming back? Pride is a tree that needs to be cut down, not pruned. I'm just working with my emotions. I'm just because, you know, the way I was raised, all this happened in my past, and I just snip, snip, snip. No, kill it. Kill that anger. Go to the root of it. Take the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to deal with that area. Get the axe out and cut it down. Cut it down at the root, too. And the root is insecurity. Insecurity is not knowing who you are in Christ and how much God loves you. Insecurity isn't because someone bullied you. Bullying is wrong. Bullying is bad. We need to stop bullying. We need to set rules to stop bullying, yes, in our world. But bottom line, insecurity comes because we don't know God. Because God created you in his image. If you don't know God, you don't know yourself. Make sense? See, insecurity is not knowing God's purpose in your life. So there are two fruits of insecurity. First, pride. Second, inferiority. Pride and inferiority. Either you will think more of yourself than you should or less of yourself than you should. Let me just say this. Jesus knew who he was. Remember many times he kept telling people, it's simple. People try to look at all these doctrinal things, and there are some. 
He kept telling people not to tell others who he is and what he did. Didn't he? Because God humbled himself, Jesus humbled himself and become, became a man. And he did things humbly. In our culture, titles ruin people who have them. I can tell you I have given people titles. When I worked for AAA, insurance company, I gave people titles and they changed. Their personality changed. Like Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde. They were the nicest and loving and caring. They became a supervisor, assistant supervisor that I appointed them, and they were destroying people. And I had to sit them down and said, who are you? Why are you doing that? Because a title produced pride. And, or they were in, just had an inferiority complex, and they would overwork to look good and then when they got the title, it blew them away because they couldn't handle it. So even then, I learned how to appoint people. And I still appointed people that shouldn't have been appointed. I still make mistakes. See, a title recognizes an appointment. But in God's kingdom, you serve one another. In God's kingdom, when he appoints you to do something, it's so you can serve someone. In the church, when you're appointed to do something, usher, whatever it is, teacher, whatever it is, you're appointed to serve people, not to be God, not to be a king or queen. Satan in the wilderness, in the wilderness temptation, he said to Jesus, if you are who you say you are, Jesus didn't say, yes, I am. I'm Jesus. Yes, I am. What did Jesus say? It is written, he knew God. The way you answer insecurity is you get to know the word of God. See, the pride test of past that you know God, the insecurity that comes in life that happens, stuff happens in life, how you get rid of that is you know the word of God and let the word guide you and direct you. So what did God say about you? See, I don't have any problem walking in spiritual authority. But I know I was adopted, and I am no better than anyone else because all of us are adopted. You and I were chosen by love. I can't do anything without God's anointing on me. Every Sunday morning, I spend, you ask Michelle, you ask Jeremy, I spend a few minutes just before I walk out. And every single Sunday, I say, God, I don't want to go out there unless you're with me. I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say. Teach me, show me. Close my mouth if I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. And even with that, sometimes I have said things. I've gone back to my office and I said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know why? I'm still growing. How about you? You have a tremendous dream and destiny, but you will never reach it until you deal with pride. Next time together, we're going to see the next test, 
that Joseph face. And he had to redo that too. So it took God some time to change him, to get him into the place where he needs to be, not the position. Remember, second in command is not it. It's not the deal. Why he was there is because God wanted to save the world from starvation. You know the story. He came second in command. God showed him a dream. And the king said, whatever you need to do, just do it. So he did it. He saved all the grain and did all this stuff for seven years. And you, you remember that. We're going to go through this whole story. And we're going to find out. Joseph was like us. Or were like Joseph. And there are areas in my life and your life that God has to deal with. But it's how you react to it. You get a lot of coaches, and if I remember how they say it, they, they always tell people, you know, playing the sport is really 10% of your ability and 90% how you react to difficulty while you're doing it. And that's what we have to do. You know, some Christians cannot receive correction. The moment someone gets up and says things a little bit strong on the pulpit or at work or whatever, they just get all ticked off and mad. No, that's not right. You don't know who you're talking about. I'm a, I'm a child of God. You don't talk to me that way. Well, you know, maybe they need to. And that's pride. And so they go through it, and everybody goes, whoa, and blah, what's going on with this Christian? And then they kind of back off a little bit, and then they, they do the regulation where they have meetings, and that's where it's at, is pride. People just don't receive correction. And Joseph saw that because his father chastised him for what he said and literally repeated, are you saying me, your father, going to bow down to you. Now, guess what? That happened. But it wouldn't have happened if pride wasn't removed from Joseph. And that he hadn't gone through the test and seen the heart of God. Because, you know, Joseph at the end wept because he didn't want to hurt his family. Even though his family wanted to kill him, God used one brother to save his life, threw him in the pit. We're going to talk about the pit test. And we're going to talk about all these things that he goes through. But after 10 weeks, church family, we're going to get it. We're going to know how to fulfill, to fulfill those great dreams God's given you. Let me just say this in closing as you stand. You have to realize how Terry and I and the pastoral staff, how we are so proud of all of you. We love you. We love you. We believe in you. We see great things. We also, it hurts 
when we see things that manifest in your life. And it's not that you back away from church or you back away. It's just that we can see you recoil from the things of the Lord because life at times is hard. Tribulation is hard. But be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. And so as we learn from Joseph, our brother, who's like you and me, who's called of God, has dreams from God, but there's some things that need to be dealt with. So I'm going to pray and we'll dismiss. And uh, if uh, you, you have young people next door, uh, if they're still going, 